episode 46 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about Furnace. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I review the board game Furnace. We'll talk about the game's stats and summary and share our thoughts on whether or not we'd recommend it. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about Furnace. So, Furnace is a board game. The tagline on BoardGameGeek is 19th century capitalists manipulate the market and manage their industrial empires. It was published in 2020. We got it in 2021 at, at Gen, Gen Con. Con. Yeah, so I think it was kind of out, but I don't think maybe a lot of people had it in 2020. Um, by Published by Hobby World and Arcane Wonders, along with a bunch of other publishers, I think because it's been localized in other countries. The designer is Ian Lashen, something I'm may be pronouncing incorrectly. The artists, I'm definitely going to pronounce all of them incorrectly, but I'm going to say them anyway. Sergey Doolin? It's probably Sergey. Okay, so I told you I was going to say them incorrectly. Oh, you know what I mean. Marta Ivanova, Ilya Konovalov, Oleg Yurkov, Vadim. Yeah, I'm not Vadim. We're going to stick with that. And Igor. It doesn't get better. It's. I believe it is a Russian-developed game. I have no familiarity with Russian names, so we're going to go right on to the next play stat. Two to four players, 30 to 60 minutes. It's ranked overall 511, which is pretty high for it being out in 2020. Like, that's a lot of people rating it and getting it pretty high up there. And then as far as strategy games, it's ranked overall 295 on BoardGameGeek. That's pretty solid. And at the time that I wrote these notes a couple days ago... It was available for, the game was available for $29 from Miniature Market online. That is a steal. And there's not a lot actually in the box. That's not a criticism, but you can see how a $29 price tag is realistic. Our copy, we also got a playmat to go with it. It's very much unnecessary. Like, you really don't need a playmat with this game. It kind of reminds you how many cards to put out for different player counts. And that's about it. There's nothing really... It's also just nice to play on a play Of course it's nice. That goes without saying. There's sort of spots to put the different resources. So the resources are like wood pieces that are different um, shapes for the thing they represent. So that's, you know, kind of nice. It's generally speaking a card game. The empire that you're building and these all these different factories are just represented on an individual card. As you play, you acquire cards from the center that everyone bids on, and then you'll have more and more in front of you as the game goes on. And the kind of second phase of every round is that you get to run all of your buildings. And you decide what order they run so that you can use the resources from one to put into the next one. In order to win the game, you acquire factory cards by bidding against your opponents, then run those factories in order to make the most of your resources and turn them into profit, because you're doing all of this to ultimately get money, and whoever finishes with the most money after four rounds wins. Wins. It's a fun game. You do four rounds. First you bid, and then you run these whatever uh, factories you've acquired. And running them, there's just actions on the bottom that you take. And usually yeah, you're... Gaining a resource, sometimes you're turning in a resource. Well, I guess. It's transformed as, resources. So you Yeah, can, you're turning in one resource to get something else. You can very much just generate some resources. You can turn some resources into other resources. And sometimes you can turn resources into points. So as you're looking at that center row to bid four times throughout the game, you have these discs numbered one to four. If you win the bid, because everyone's going to put their disc out, you can't put the same number 
on a card, so two people can't bid four on the same card, and you can't put two of your discs on a card. So you can't put the four and the three and then suddenly have yeah, seven. So there's, you have to be on different cards. Yeah. I'm going to get to, every round, I'm going to get to bid four one time, three one time, two yeah. one time, and one one time. So if you win the card, you get to take it back to your tableau, and in the second part of the turn, you'll get to, sorry, second part of the round, you'll get to use that card as one of your factories and run it. If you don't win, there's a resource at the top of the card as, like, consolation... I suppose, for not winning, you get to do that resource or that action. Sometimes it is transforming a resource. You get to do it the number of times equal to the value of your bid. So if you bid a one, you just do it once. If you bid a three, though, and there's, you know, two coal on the top of that card, that means you're getting six coal just to have before you go into the next round, which is, I think... The bidding in this is so much more interesting because sometimes you want to lose by just a little bit. So you'll put the three out there and you're like, someone, certainly and someone's going to take a four. And then there's tension as like, no one's putting out this four. I don't actually want this card. I, if I get this card, then I can't do the other things I wanted to do because really I just needed the coal from the top of this card. It's Well, really I think as the game goes on, you you find yourself wanting to lose more auctions. At the beginning of the game, the cards- Oh, Really? So at the beginning of the game, you're going to acquire the card and use it in every round. But as the rounds go on, when you acquire the card, oh, you, you get only to get less. to use it a few times. Oh, that's a good point. But you still get the same number of resources, you know, if you do the top action. Right. So I think towards the end, and that's not universally true because some cards are just really, really good and some cards will fit your engine really, really well. Yeah, because there could have been a card that you didn't necessarily want from a right. previous round or, you know, extra resources that you're getting. and you Because there's not a limit on the resources that you acquire like it's not a thing where at the end of the round you have to you can have a limit of like seven or something like that you can have as much as you want so you might have a situation where you've built up more resources throughout the game than you can actually use turn into points right so yeah it, it is i definitely see your point and that makes a lot of sense because you won't get to use it a lot but it could be the thing where it's like i need something to put all of this iron into right yeah I, I think it definitely depends but early in the game like i'm trying to win as many auctions as i can so i have more actions on my round play later on it's usually more mixed yeah and the other thing we haven't really mentioned which you don't have to play with but as you keep going why wouldn't you there's individual player powers so that means that you have a generic person these aren't like they didn't make it some actual capitalist from the past it's just a generic person and they have some ability that bends the rules and everyone has a different one so one of them you get an extra number two bidding disc so you just get to bid one more time than everyone else and that does some interesting things to the strategy because you know that other people can't put out the same number you put out so when you as people keep bidding and you see who has what numbers left, well, if someone else has a two left, like you can kind of keep them from being able to bid or kind of forcing them to bid over you in a certain spot. And having that extra disc just gives you more flexibility with that. Right. I I think it's the most powerful one because it can be used to manipulate other people's bidding, but then it also, you're you're hardly ever going to win with a two. So it's basically like getting an extra top of the card losing action every round. Yeah, top of the card losing action. And I think you are pushing people into what you're going to win or intentionally not win. You're kind of, right. yeah, like you said, you're kind of forcing on people's hands. We won't, we don't need to list all of them. Another one no. just lets you redo a card. So yeah. usually you that's only the one get... I had. That's also very good. Yeah, that's the last time we played. That's the one you had. Usually you only get to run your factories once. So you would like turn them or move them away, something to indicate that you've used them. This player power lets you pay resources, but use a card again. 
And that can be, depending on how you've set up this engine to run together, that could be huge in yeah. getting you, you know, just getting you that extra resource that lets you kind of burn through everything one more time or iterate over everything one more time. Because when you transform those resources, they tell you how many times you get to transform them. Right. So it's not like if you've played uh, Century or Century Golem Edition, you can do it as many times as you have the gems to do something. They give you a, a card that transforms. If you have three pinks, you can transform it three times. This states on the card 1x, 2x, 3x. It tells right. you how many times you can actually do it. So that's how I most often use my power. It wasn't to generate resources, but to but to turn resources into points because the amount of cells that you can do is limited by the cards. By the that cards have. that you have. Yeah, absolutely. So those are some of the mechanics. I think that's then there's yeah, there's four rounds. There's the uh, you, the only mechanic I think you haven't really covered is the upgrading of the cards. So when you get a factory, oh, it comes with like a uh, a power and then if you there's certain resources like the, their gears and that you can use to upgrade those. By default, you can do that once per round, but you'll try to find ways to do it more than once per round. And upgrading them really kind of increases the power. I think you can do it infinity scoring. times. No, the, the, there's a power to upgrade them that's on your default base card. I thought it had infinity number of times. Oh. As long as you played the resources. I don't know. Oh, maybe it's once, maybe you know it's what? infinite times. Maybe it's limited by the... It, you know what, Kelly, I think is absolutely correct, but the but, gears are hard to come by. And the other thing is you have to use that card completely when you activate it. Right. So you, even though you can do it infinity times, that doesn't mean that you can activate it and then go do some other stuff with other cards and then come back to that right. one and flip something else over. And that it does make the deck a little confusing because there's not, there is a difference in the artwork on the front and the back, but not a big one. It would have been kind of nice if the backside had like a different colored background oh. behind the actions. So it was a little clear that, yes, now I flipped it over. Um, so it can be... You kind of have to mind your deck when you're setting up the game, when you're tearing it down as well, that all the cards are going back in there the right order because it would be kind of easy to grab a card and not realize that it's on the wrong side and maybe kind of do that action when you shouldn't. So, oh. yeah, I would have liked that to be a little clearer on the cards. There's no, I don't think there's any words or anything on the card. There's no, pictures of factories. Yeah, there's pictures of factories. And like I said, when you flip it over, there's like more smoke coming out of the smokestack, something like that. Um, and it is... I don't know how to describe the art, but it feels very period appropriate. Like it feels like if there had been artwork, drawings of buildings or people of that time, maybe in newspapers or something, it feels very period appropriate. Right, for sure. Um, and so it's done really well throughout. And I think the limit of four rounds, instead of like being to being until someone gets a number of points, I really like as well because it definitely compounds you get more familiar with what you're doing but then you also get more and more cards a fifth round would be awful okay i mean i don't know that it would be i just awful, think the but fourth round ends up being really really long because of all the i, I just feel like four rounds is the perfect length really that's what i'm trying to say yeah and i think you're also what might not make it awful is that you get more and more locked into what you're doing Right. So even though you're getting more cards, in some ways you have less options to actually do something productive right. as it keeps going on. And then the way the game's set up, we always do it where each person goes once at a time because it's a lot to manage, it's easy to make a mistake, and we're all trying to play correctly as much as we can. It's the, In the rulebook itself, it says you can all do that at the same time. So of course you have to you know, do your bidding all together. But then once uh, once you've gone to the next phase, everyone can just activate their factories right. and kind of take the resources. asynchronously take their turns. Yeah, which speeds it up because, as Aaron was saying, there can be a lot of analysis paralysis as you're trying to figure out how can I get this in the exact right order. 
Right. And there's some variants about like when you place a card down, you have to leave it in that spot and you have to activate them right to left, which we've never done. It's something like that. Oh, that probably helps with score. Like helps with making sure that you didn't screw it up or something. I'm sure it helps with that. It kind of also. Oh, but then like from round to round, you can't switch the order? I think from round to round, you can't switch the order. Yeah. So, yeah. you And I don't know if that means that you can insert things, but never switch them. Oh, but never switch. Even so, like it's you know a that lot. That would limit scoring and be it may be fun in its own right. Yeah, I take I back it, I take back the uh the, the groan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so moving on to our thoughts about furnace, which I think are pretty clear by how we've been talking about it. I've put down four baseline questions for our thoughts. First one, Aaron, is is it good? Is the game good? Yeah. It's yeah. a good game. I love an auction mechanic. It's an interesting auction mechanic that mm-hmm. I haven't seen before. Then there's also resource management. Come on. I like that. How about, am I, I'm going to love this game every time. In addition to the fact that losing the auction, you still get something. There's actually uh, Shut Up and Sit Down has a video on Furnace. And at the beginning, there's a skit that Matt does about going to an auction and then still getting stuff, even after like going to a yeah. traditional auction. That's real fun that I definitely recommend listening to or watching. In addition to that, I also like about this auction that. You never use the money that you're earning, which is victory points, right. in the auction, which you see in other a lot of games have that other games where even if you're just bidding for a turn order, like in Five Tribes, you can use your victory points to bid for a turn order, which means that then you have to do that calculation of, okay, I'm paying five to go first or whatever the number may be, but I have to make sure that I'm going to make more than five back on this turn by going first because if I can go second or third or fourth and make that money back. I need to not spend my victory points. Right. And not only do you have to get five victory points back in five tribe, you have to beat the people that you're playing in that round by five in order to justify it because they're not going to pay for it. So, But it, we're, we're, yes. it's not a five tribes podcast. It's not a five tribes podcast, but it is a point about how the auction in this one is still engaging even though you know what it's going to be every time. Yeah, it's pretty fun and rewarding. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's what is a great part about this game. I don't always love auction games for that reason. Like sometimes, you know, someone just gets a lot of money and then they can kind of dictate the auction and I can feel less engaged in the game. But this is a different strategic puzzle. Um, So the next question is what makes this game unique, which is kind of what we were just talking about. I think that definitely does. What I'll say about what makes this game, I mean, we talked about what makes this game unique, so I'll throw in another piece of feedback that I was that I wanted okay. to make sure we didn't end this podcast with, which is what okay. makes it unique is it's a game I love that has an incredibly annoying feature to it. Okay. And that is they've made the iron pieces trapezoids and they're impossible to pick up. Oh. Hey, I, I almost would like just buy replacement iron pieces. Yeah. Like use cubes or something. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's nice... I think it's nice to have different shaped pieces. They're very pretty. They're very pretty. And I imagine, I don't think that these pieces are at high risk for it, but I imagine for accessibility, if you have colorblind issues, then the pieces being different shapes means that then the colors of them is a little less important. And then you don't have to like mark them up in some other way to show what they are. But that aside... They are they aren't very big and they can be hard to pick up. The coal and the oil barrels? Beautiful. The coal is just a regular cube. The oil barrel is, in it's fact, a little barrel. Oil barrel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the little trapezoid. I think triangular kind of pieces can be hard to hard to grasp. So yeah. that's true. That's just that's making the game unique, I suppose, in a way that you dislike. I mean, I basically bent that to just say what I wanted to say, and yeah. I'm sorry. And the format's lovely. I would say that, like the in general, how the cards are being used is not very unique. 
Like no, you're collecting I mean, it's, it's cards. Transformation. It's not very unique, and I think it does feel a lot like Century. Yes. Because you don't have to use all your cards either, which is also a Century right. thing. And you know, it's not happening in the same turn structure as Century, but I think the unique part about this is definitely the auction. And I would say that it, the game does not take that long, but it it feels it's pretty easy to learn. And in some sense, it feels a bit heavier than it is. Like, it feels like, oh, yeah, I really crunched on this game, maybe. But it's ultimately a lighter game that you that is a little more approachable. It's not some big, huge rule set yeah. to get to that point. Oh, gosh, I'm doing a great job with my questions. Yeah, is it easy to learn? I think it is easy, is it to, easy learn. to learn. Yeah. yeah, I think it's easy to learn. I think it could be difficult to master. I think you could certainly execute the game. And then some games ensure that you will earn some points. This game does not ensure that you'll earn any points. You could play the whole thing, play it completely correctly, and not and not get any points. Yeah. So I, that could be pretty frustrating. That's kind of something to be aware of, depending on your game group. That could be pretty frustrating. Yeah, and I think if you're playing this game with someone who is not familiar with the auction concept and you're trying to get into gaming, maybe don't like ambush them at the auction and maybe let them win some things. Sure, that's always that's always a nice consideration, and maybe maybe don't take the extra two disc as your special power. And they'll they'll always win. They'll always win one because they'll have to put their four somewhere, right? And no one else will be able to put a beat that. There. So at the very barest minimum in this game, you would have four cards and hopefully a lot of resources. Hopefully, all your other discs wouldn't be on things you couldn't transform right. into something useful. But there is a this is just not true for every game. There is kind of a floor to this of I have four cards, I have zero points. Yeah. I burn this burn It'd this. It'd be hard game. to get zero, but the point is It'd be well hard made. To get zero. Yeah. yeah. And I think you do have to kind of want to do that engine build the this card into this card into this card thing. Yeah. For it to be rewarding. So if you've played other games and if you like Century Gollum, like I think, hang on. Yeah, I think you would like it if you, and it you're not it's not always a straight you know, Century Gollum. I mean, Century, always, really, because it's the same yeah, game, century. just on Gala, yeah, we, Gala Edition. Yeah, you're always going yellow, then, I mean, for the most part, yellow is always less than green, green, and so on and so forth. Blue, pink. This is kind of in there as well, but there are cards that let you transform in different ways. Yeah. So you don't, even though that's still kind of true, it still does feel like coal is the cheapest and oil bar- barrels are the hardest to get. It's not quite as strict as it can feel in Century. Right. Um, there's kind of it feels like there's a more diverse path going back and forth to yeah. actually get to the money which wins. Right. How do you feel while playing? I feel great. I don't know how. I mean, I feel like I've okay. said enough. Okay. Well, I'm gonna say what I put down for this one, which I I made these questions and then brought them to you. So if you come up with something, let me know. I said how I feel is executive pressure. Oh. Meaning that like. You know, you're supposed to be these capitalists and have all these factories. And I think that does kind of come through because as you're getting the game we last played, I got into round three. I had a pretty good score because at the end of every round, when you run it, you kind of do want to see like, okay, well, how much did all my factories make? And that can be a quick way to compare. There's nothing in the game that says compare how much money you made every round with everyone else. But you kind of want to definitely do that to see how everything's going. And I had a strong round, but I was looking at it and like. Some of that was a buildup from the previous round of having resources already available. And then as I'm going into the fourth round, I was like, I don't know that I can keep all of these factories running. Like some of these factories are just going to shut down because I don't know how to squeeze a little more money 
out of these pieces and that puts more pressure on the next bidding round and you'll see the cards come out it's completely random you'll see the cards come out and be like how am i going to run factories with this like yeah, that playthrough i had uh, that playthrough that we had i thought had a pretty low scoring set of cards that came out because there wasn't the cards that you and i won and the the like resources that were available for the losing auction actions just were not they didn't play as nicely together as they have had in previous games where you could just kind of get stuck in the fourth round and i think now i i feel differently that that's just always a possibility i don't know that i see things as clearly in these type of games as you do i think you'll see a path like you'll see a b c d and i'm usually like a b and c is somewhere maybe kind of over there so I think I get that feeling a lot more often from a game. And worth mentioning, when we played the last time, we played two player, and there is a ghost third player. It's the worst. It's not. It's, it's regular. All, it, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's actually just regular. You roll a dice, and it bids in one, two, three, four order, I think. Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah. So you just roll a dice, and you have six cards out there. Yeah. Or you have, yeah, you six, have six cards, cards for two players. And you just put it on the number that it's rolled and if it can't play there based on the regular bidding rules it just keeps going up to the next number until it finds a spot where it can be so it's completely random but well, it's not compl- i mean it, it's weighted towards it ending up on the higher numbers this because is true. it goes to the right first this is true this is true so you kind of you kind of know that so at the end of the game there i had a decision where how do i want to bid to try to force the ai which is going to roll into the area I want it to go because the middle numbers were kind of already done and I was like, well, if I go down here, then the two's available, but if I go up here, then it's going to first go to the, you know, three, four, five, six instead. Yeah, there was a spot where you could force it to have four rolls with, where the tile would end up where you wanted it. Right. It, yeah, and even after that, yeah, yeah you can kind of play the majority, chance. but it's a dive roll. Yeah. So, yeah, that's another thing to kind of point out about the two-player game that you actually do need that third person to make the auction work, but it still works really well. Like the fact that I was having that decision, you kind of know how the AI is going to play, but then it still has that um, element of unknown that might be in another player where you're pretty sure you know what they're going to do, but then they might just do something completely unexpected. Yeah. So I feel like it's, it's well done for it being so random. It feels well implemented for how the game plays. Yeah, I I agree. It's a good two player they never actually acquire cards. It's just to do the bidding part. I only get frustrated then because it's random, and then I feel like I, I don't like I know what another player is going to bid, or at least I think I do, and that makes me feel happy. Right, right, right. But uh, that's what I'm saying. In this way, you kind of can predict how it's going to go. Yeah, but then some. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you can predict I can just another be person about, more. Yeah. Like All right. a person well, I'll let be 100%. You. Like, oh, they, they need this for their engine. They're going to have to bid there. To there, or at least like I'll know, but it, it doesn't have any cards in front of it. There's no whatever. No, no, no. You're not you're not building actions based on like their potential well, actions and, honestly, and seeing their engine run. That's very true. In an auction, if I like ooh, a thing that I'll do in auction style games is I'll kind of play my auction in such a way as to force someone to go to a place, and then some people will detect that I've done that. They won't want to be forced, and then they'll make a suboptimal decision. So they'll go somewhere else, which is worse for them, even though going where I wanted them to go would have been good for me and for them. And so there's like, you know, that's not happening when you're rolling the dice. No. My social manipulation score. We did this. There's this uh, Quandric Foundry, I think is the name of it, where you can do a gamer motivation. My social manipulation score was so low. 
So you saying that kind of thing is like, well, I'll try to push someone into something. And then because they don't want to be pushed, they'll do this other thing. Like, it's not even a thought for me. <laughs> it's not it's not even a thought. Like, I don't slither. It. There's there's nothing in my brain space that is is ready to interpret the actions of other people and try to manipulate them in that way. Anyways, that's how. Well, you said how you felt while playing was great. Yeah. Yeah. Just feel great. Okay. So in closing, we have two questions for our new review format. Would you recommend this game? Yes. I would as well. We don't yet have like a Variant Hex approves or a Variant Hex liked it or some kind of something. I feel like it would be, we'll have to think about that. We'll yeah. have to like brainstorm on what we want our seal to do. Yeah. Anyways, we did it's, both. It's going to be a hexagon. It's gonna well, yeah, it will be a hexagon. I think we can I think we can say that much for sure. And you said, especially for twenty nine dollars. Oh, like for this it, there's it's a great it's a great value. There's very few games in that price point that I think are as engaging and fun and as unique as this. Yeah. That's a good that's a good point for what makes it unique is that at a thirty dollar you know, that's that's still an online game shop, which is a little cheaper than if you just get it at your local game store, it's maybe forty. But even at forty, it's not bad. And at yeah. thirty it's you're getting a really good value, I think, for the gameplay that's in there. Who would you recommend it to? Well, I, I like it so much, I would almost recommend it to anyone, just because Uniformly. I would. But but I think to be more specific, I think if you like auction things or you like resource transformation, but you have a hard time getting into the other style, play this. It might kind of it might frustrate mm. you because it's something you like and don't like, but it also might like just bridge the gap. I think it's pretty good for two player. I don't know. That it's the first thing I'm reaching for two player because I agree. I think I've played it at two, three, and four over time because I think I played it with four people at Gen Con, actually. I think the auction is very fun with four people. It's a lot. There's a lot going on. And you have more cards out there. So you also then have more to pick from, which I think mm-hmm. changes it a little bit, even though you're not ever getting more cards. You're not right. bidding on more cards. Just the fact that you see more of them come out it does an interesting thing to kind of balance out the game with more players. One of the things we talked about it being unique about also comes up in the recommendation which is i think it is good for people who like heavier games and people who like lighter games it is one of those casual games for a heavy player and a heavy game for a casual yeah i would say it's not big enough that i would be like oh don't don't teach this to somebody who's not a gamer like Mm -hmm. it's fine and i think the the biggest part about that the biggest struggle there would be understanding how to put together your cards for your engine. I think that the rulebook may even have some beginner mode or, you know, beginner players advice or slightly different setups because I could see you starting. I could see starting with one other card if you were beginners, like something that worked together. Just if you know someone has never played before, like just talk through your first couple turns. And yeah, I like, think yeah, that'd be going to uncover idea. some strategy points that are maybe not super transparent to people who haven't done that kind of like this resource into yeah. that resource. Another thing, if you were really re- were going to introduce this game, like you had it, you wanted to introduce it to players who maybe it's not going to be their usual type of game. If you kept the final hand, so to speak, the final sets of factories from the last time you played, like if Aaron and I had kept the cards together that we had acquired, you could put those out. And show like this is oh, how one thing this led is what into I another. Did. Yeah, you can show what you actually did. Now you could manufacture that just pulling it out of the deck, but it might be easier to just set them aside when you played or put them with your player card and say this is how it looks. So people can kind of 
see that end state. I think that's another thing that can be difficult if this isn't your type of game. The auction part is easier to get because you're like, yes, I would like to win this or not win this. But understanding that end state of turn over turn, I'm building up these cards together to keep yeah, getting really, more and more points. It's important that you know what you're trying to do during the auction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, like, well, win this card. What am I going to do with this card? Well, I'm going to turn bricks into our coal and iron. What am I going to do with this card? I'm going to turn iron into coal. Okay. Or what you've done there is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And you, that's what, like, the thing yeah. about you can just get no points. You can spend a lot of time and exchange a lot of resources and have nothing happen. Now, to round this out, because this is really, that's the end. That yeah. was really our in closing. But I will say, do you think you'd want an expansion for this game? Yes. Oh, okay. I mean, it could you could have said like, no, it's well balanced. Well, how say, it like, is. We and... already have like the mini expansion, right? Like, what aren't are the, aren't about? the aren't the powers the asymmetric powers an expansion? I don't or think that's so. Just part of the game. I think this is part of the game. Um, so you, in a sense, I guess you know you can think of that as an expansion because it's not necessary for play. I you know what I, I will say I just like it so much I just said yes, but I don't think it needs one. Mm-hmm. Like I I can't. Like some games, you're like, oh, this game needs an expansion. This game is this game is good. Right. Well, and you think of something like Lost Ruins of Arnok. It added basically yeah. that individual player powers to the game as an expansion. Right. Well, I think like if you think of it, we compared a lot to Century Golem mm-hmm. or to, to Century. And I think... Oh, and there's no expansions s- for those. No, but they have, you know, they've basically taken the similar type of mechanics mm. and made different separate games out of them. And I feel like it's more, like more, it'd be more cool to have something like that right. where you have this like combination auction cool. resource management, you know, instead of calling it Furnace, we'll call it air conditioning. That's... Maybe not that. Maybe not that. No, maybe not that. But this is 19th century, so if they went 18th, 17th, or even like 16th, or 13th. Or like nuclear power plant. Or, yeah, went into the future. I think that would be, that'd be an interesting, I would like to see them take the century route and there's, you know, furnace as the type of energy and then either going backwards or forwards, going into different energy types and doing the same kind of thing, but turning a little yeah. bit. And the century games all eventually play together. Don't know that I would need that from this series. Have we ever done that? No. no. I would like to. But, yeah, that's that would, that'd be a different podcast. But, yeah, definitely play the game. Buy the game. Definitely. <laughs> I don't know if that's making it. Nope. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to episode 46. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com. And you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. If you've played Furnace, we'd love to know what you think. Share your thoughts with us on any of the platforms I've just mentioned. Or just stop by and say hello. We've taken a bit of a socials break, but we'll be posting and sharing again soon. In the meantime, we've got a few more episodes already recorded and headed your way. The next episode will be Aaron and I sharing our month in review for April 2022. Unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 45 more episodes headed your way. The next one being about the solo mode for Project L. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.